0: Devil is a liar, and you know he's going to do whatever he can do to destruct and to disturb and to upset our lives in any way he can. But you know what? I just choose to believe the promises of God, and uh, you know our, our attitude and our outlook and our response to storms and to difficulties says more about us than we realize. I'm saying this to me today uh, because the enemy will come in, and he just wants to do everything he can to get us off, out of focus, out of focus. Now today, I'm going to continue with this uh, series. I'm going to talk about promises, but we're going to talk about navigating, navigating the storms. And listen, everybody has storms in their life. If you, I can tell you in this room right here, either you have, you're in a storm, you've been in a storm, or you're getting ready to go into a storm because that's just called life. And I really would I know that when years ago, a long time ago, when Dana and I, uh, I think it was before Rachel was born, and we had gone, uh, we just we were sitting down at Sizzler, for those of you that remember Sizzler, <laughs> we're sitting down at Sizzler one day, just her and I, we had only been married a couple years, two, three years, and I remember we said, uh, Dana says, or maybe, I don't know, somebody said, one of us said, uh, we ought to go to Hawaii. Now, somebody, a friend, friends of ours had gone or something, I don't know. And we ought to go, it's like, you want to go, yeah, let's go now you know we I think I was twenty twenty seven twenty eight years old, maybe, and uh Dana was um thirteen i think. No, I'm kidding, <laughs> she was young, no, she was probably nineteen, twenty years old, and uh she was actually pregnant with um with Sarah, so I think Rachel was born at that time. I don't remember it's a long time ago when you get to be as old as some people we know. <laughs> But long and short, we're sitting there and we said, let's go to Hawaii. Oh, yeah, let's go to Hawaii. And so we got over there and, and after about three or four days, man, there was no pressure. There was no anything you have to do. About day four in there, we said, we got up and we said, another cruddy day in paradise. You know what? We, whether we like it or not, we need some tension. We, and some of you are going, I could use a little less tension in my life. You and me both. But the thing is, is this is the stuff that makes us. You know, I like having days and maybe a season where you get up and nothing's required, nothing's expected, but we can't live like that. And so, you know, God wants us to know how to navigate through difficulties because that, those are the things that put pressure on our life to help us to grow. Now, let me just, just get started here. You know, there's, there's a few books that I have read over and over again. One of them is a book called uh, The Tale of Three Kings by Gene Edwards. I love that book. It, it talks about King... Saul, David, and Absalom, and just their attitudes and the way they responded to things in their life, pressures and problems. The other book that I've read over and over is a book called How God Makes Men by Patrick Morley. Now, I'm not going to preach about these books, but it leads me to my point for saying that. A lot of times people wonder, why do I need to keep reading the Bible? I've read it through. I've read it through several times. What do I got to, keep? I know what it says. It's not about just having read it. It's about devouring it and letting it become a part of us. And and I love the illustration that Cheryl gave about having an open book test. Every day is an open book test with God. His book is open to us. We can look in the scriptures and find out how to, to, to deal with things that come into our life if we're not sure. Because there are so many promises and so much direction in God's word. It helps us to know how to navigate through God's word. So let's look at Matthew chapter 14. And some of you are going, I've already read that. We're going to read it again. We're going to read it again today. And uh, like I say, we're talking about navigating, knowing how to navigate the storms. Let me read through this. It says immediately. Now, before I go here, Jesus had just fed the five thousand. OK, they had gone out and they were out in the middle of nowhere. Jesus had had gone to the other side of the sea there of Galilee or Genesera, whatever they call it in this time. But he, he was over there, and people found him. They followed him there, and there was 5,000 men plus women and, and children. So there could have been 10, 15,000 people for all we know. But Jesus feeds them all, and uh, and then it's so this is where we pick it up. It says, immediately after this, Jesus insisted. Everybody say insisted. <laughs> Jesus insisted that the disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he went to the pe- and sent the people home. After sending them home, the people he's talking about, Jesus went up uh, into the mountains by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the the disciples were in in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting against the heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. Uh, In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid. He said, take courage. I'm here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. And Jesus said, yes, come. So Peter went over the side of the boat and he walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed into the boat, the wind stopped, and those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Now, here's here's just a couple of, of thoughts here. First of all, Jesus instructed them, he and Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think Jesus knew that there was a storm coming? Maybe not. I mean, he doesn't know everything. Yes, he does. (laughs) He knows it all. He knew there was a storm coming. And so basically the disciples find themselves in this crazy uh, storm with all these winds beating on them, beating against them. And so the thing is, it's kind of like our life right now. Do you think God knew that this was happening? Do you think God knew that this was going to happen in our society in 2000, 2020, uh, that this was going to happen? Or is this something that God goes, I wasn't planning for this. He knows what's going on. He knew this was going to happen. He's aware of it. So what's he looking for? And so let's just kind of think about that thought just for a second. The big picture of a description, in my opinion, of what's happening right now in our world is that Everyone is mad at everybody. You you, you go on social media to see who's fighting with who today. You you watch your Twitter feed to see what so-and-so said, because I know he had a comment, because everybody's mad at everyone. And so the big picture of the description of what seems to be happening right now is the world is trying, the world, the world, the world is trying to polarize everybody against everybody else so that we stop caring about each other. Separate, divide, and conquer. Separate, divide, and conquer. You know what? If he can separate and divide. But you know what? But those people didn't vote like I voted. They're not going to vote like I vote this year. So I, why should I care for them? That's your, If we have that mindset, if we have that mentality, we are playing in to the plan that the enemy has. Look, I don't care about them. They're the ones trying to destroy their, whoever they are. You might be on this side or that side. I don't know. They don't have the same color skin as I have. They don't live in my neighborhood. That's the, that's the goal of the enemy is to polarize everything and everyone in this world so that we're against them and they're against. Who are you for? Oh, let me find my gang because that's kind of gang mentality. I don't like them. I'm not on their side. I want you to know this. none of this took God by surprise. God knows what is going on. And he's not wanting for us to be a part of the of the the process of becoming polarized. Polarized means we take sides. We're basically I we we basically are are uh, you know I, I know their views and I know their views. I'm against them. You know who Jesus is against? He's against every person going to hell. That's what he's against. He's not against anyone in in himself as as far as in themselves. The hope is is that every person would come to know Christ. And the thing is, is we as the church, we find ourselves in a storm, and and so this is not something that God didn't understand. God wasn't expecting. He knew this was coming. As a matter of fact, I believe just as much as the way it says here, Jesus insisted. You ever had someone insist? No, I insist you do this. It's like you're my boss. You're my parent. You're my dad. You're the police thought you insist, I insist. You know what? I don't think there was like a, no, nah, Lord, I think we'll just stay here for the night. There was no option. Jesus insisted that they go. Why? Because he wanted them where they needed to be in the coming hours because it was a test. There was a test coming. Let's move forward. So uh, we're living in, a, in this crazy time, in this crazy season. Where, where there's so much pressure and so many things going on, that there's wars of words going on on every platform, on every TV. You, know, you can't even turn the news on without hearing somebody's opinion about why they disagree with them and why they're stupid. And well, you know why they? Me included. I'm there. Matter of fact, that's the reason why I watch a lot of pu- pu- puppy dog pals. And for those of you that don't have the little ones, you're going, what's that? Channel 16, almost all day long. <laughs> you can watch that. But anyway, there's trouble every place. There's trouble every place. And people sometimes get the mentality, well, I'm going to follow Jesus. And, and basically, that will help me to avoid the storms. Wrong. Jesus insisted that they get into the boat and go. He insisted. Why? Because he wanted them at a specific place at a specific time. And so that's why they find themselves there. John chapter 16, verse 33 says, I have told you all this so that uh, so that you may have peace in me here on earth. You will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Troubles and storms land on everybody's life. I think a lot of times we look at our life and we're thinking, look at these storms. Some of you, it seems like you've been in a continual storm for years and years and years. Now, let me say this. Sometimes storms are self-inflicted. Sometimes they are. But by and large, not all of them. But even if it's a self-inflicted storm, God still wants to teach us something. He wants to teach us to navigate according to his voice and his plan and his Promises. So, so they storms na- uh, land on every single person, but navigating is what God wants us to do. The disciples were doing exactly what Jesus told them to do. Exactly, they got into the boat and they began to row or sail. I don't know what what it was. I guess they might have had both, you know, options there to sail. Or and they say that the that the Sea of Galilee or the Sea of Gennesaret, or the Lake of Genesis or whatever they called it at this time. Uh, was I think it was like 16 miles long and like five to six miles wide at the widest points. But I think where they were sailing back to, from what I can see, it wasn't all the way from down here. It was probably about a three, two to three, four-hour maybe, three-hour uh, trip at best. So if they'd left during the day before it got dark, let's just say, let's say it was 5 o'clock. Let's say it was 4 o'clock. I don't know. Who knows? But Jesus sent them back early enough uh, so that they would make sure that they were there when the storm hit. I don't know, but the storm hits and it says that they were working at that storm, trying to get through it at three in the morning. How long had they been in that storm? Obviously not 15 or 20 minutes. I believe they had been fighting and struggling. And the one thing you can say about them at this point, because we'll go back uh, just back a little bit in just a minute, is that they persisted and they didn't give up. They weren't. They didn't just throw throw the oars in and say, "I ah, forget it. Let's just let, let's just let it blow us back to the other side." They stayed at it. They didn't give up. They didn't lose heart. Jesus insisted that they that they go, and so that's what they did. How many of you found yourself in storms and you know you're doing exactly what the Lord has spoken for you to do, but you hit storms? Man, all of us, we do that. We find ourselves in that place. Today, all I want to do is I want to look at a couple of quick things. A couple of uh, quick things they are on your list there, but I'll give you a few things to fill in on the blanks there if you have the blanks on your your page. But what causes storms in our life? Well, what causes storms in the natural? You have a high-pressure system that meets a low-pressure system. You have hot air that hits cold air, and it causes turbulence, and it can cause tornadoes. It can cause all kinds of crazy things, hurricanes. Well, what causes turbulence? What causes these storms in our life? When you have one belief system that hits another belief system. And that's what we've got going on right now. We've got one belief system. and, and what it, So which one's right? God. God's the one that's right. Well, you've got a belief system here, and you've got a belief system. Well, actually, you've got about three or four or five or ten belief systems going on right now. You've got belief systems, and when they try to converge into one space, there's so much turmoil. There's tumultuous pressure, and things begin to happen. That's what's going on now, in my opinion. That's what's happening. There's a lot of turmoil that's going on. And so let's just go ahead. Okay, verse 24 here. Let me just hit a couple of quick words here, give you some thoughts on these. Verse 24, it says that the wind was, the King James uses the word contrary. The winds were contrary against them. That word contrary means antagonistic. You ever had pressures of of what's going on the of others around maybe the voices around that are very antagonistic against what you man I'm just trying to do life man why are you antagonizing me why is this pressure oh why are they in my face why are they it's just what it is it's a storm it's a storm and when I say a storm I'm not saying it's just a storm man it's a storm it's definitely a storm Okay, so what three enemies are we going to encounter in the storm? And some of these you are, we've already talked about over the last several months on different things. But the first enemy that's going to begin to antagonize and attack you is fear. Fear, the dread and the anxiety of things will never go back to the way they were. Here's what fear tries to convince you, that there's no way out. That you're not going to make it, that death is imminent. The death of whatever, your finances, your business, your marriage, the the relationship with your kids, our country, whatever. Death is imminent. It's going to die. This is going to destroy everything. There's no hope. There's no hope for you for your kids to ever come back. Your best days are behind you. That's what fear does in the midst of a storm. It begins, and let me, I wrote this down. Fear will lie to you and taunt you about a future that has not yet happened. It will come and tell you, oh, this is the way it's going to be. And you just watch. Within two months, within three months, by next year, it's all going to be different. It's all going to be, and it's not going to be. That's what fear does. It talks to you. It taunts you. It antagonizes us, you, about a future that hasn't happened yet. And we begin to take it, and we begin to visualize it, and we begin to imagine, oh, this is the way it's going to be. But just the same way that faith works, that fear works the same way as faith does. And that's what what it does is it's rooted, faith is rooted in what has not happened yet. And it tells you what your future is. But that's faith. Fear tells you what your future is based on the worst case scenario. But fear does. But faith tells you this is what God says. I told you to go to the other side. Well, Lord, we're doing what you told us to do. Then keep on doing it. Keep your eyes on me. Keep on Doing it. And that's easy for me to say as I stand here in a hot, humid, with no wind and no problems to speak of day. You know, my life's not being threatened, but I want you to know, the enemy comes, I don't care if, he, if it's one time a day or five times a day, he comes and he begins to whisper and to tell you the things, oh, it's not going to be, this. oh, it's going to get worse. Oh, you just wait. Oh, it'll never go back to the way it was. That's fine. I don't care if it ever goes back to the way it was, but I want it to go to the way God wants it to be because God has a good plan, and God is the God that finishes what he begins. So basically, whenever fear has its way and it comes in and we begin to, to find fear and, and worry and struggle, what happens? We begin to get fatigued because that's the goal of fear, to wear you out. We worry about it. We fret. Oh, my gosh, can you imagine what these disciples were doing in the boat? Man, they're rowing. Come on, man, row, row. Come on, go, man, go. Come on, let's go. And it's every every stroke they're going, it's they're, they're pushed back three or four links further back than they were a minute ago. But if they quit rowing, they're just going to go all the way. And so basically they become fatigued. They get so tired and so worn out. Most of us can identify a stupid thought pretty quickly but when we're fatigued we don't we begin to think oh we're going to go down i wonder what they're going to tell my mom i wonder what they're going to, wonder what they're going to say about me oh this is going to be i wonder what the future is going to say about my life this is over when we're tired the dumbest thoughts come into our mind the dumbest thoughts give up quit who cares nobody cares there's no hope there's no way to move forward the devil has a he has a there's a spirit that he continues to persist about trying to get us to to be afraid so they'll get more tired, and more tired. There was a verse I wrote down, Daniel 25 or 7, seven verse 25. It says that it's talking about uh, Belshazzar, it's actually in the book of Daniel, and, and it talks about how that the king who is basically representing an evil force, what his job was, what his his intentions were, were to wear out the saints, to wear them out. Wear them out, to pulverize them, to get them to the point where they, they just, man, there's no resistance. Now you can do what you want with them. That's what the devil wants to do. He wants to wear you out. He wants to wear us out in the midst of the storm so that we just accept anything. We'll just drink whatever Kool-Aid we're served. There's no hope. There's no future. There's no way. We can't do anything. So basically when fatigue and, and fear are, stay on us long enough, then we end up with the third thing, and that's doubt. Then we begin to doubt. Doubt. Peter, Jesus asked Peter, Why are you doubting? Why did you doubt me? Why did you doubt me, Peter? He can put my name in there. Tom, why did you doubt me? He could probably put any one of our names in there. Because I think every single one of us have had our moments and our times where we're in the midst of a storm and we begin to doubt because we're afraid. We get tired. We get fatigued. We get exhausted. And then that doubt begins to rise up. But God wants to ask this question. Is he the God that keeps his word? Is he the God that keeps his word even when we're tired? Even when when we're exhausted? Even when we don't see a way out? Doubt lives in three words. I think it's on your paper there. Doubt lives in three words. Where is God? But you see, when you become afraid, when you become fatigued, when you become filled with doubt. I don't know if I'm going to make it through this. Oh, Lord, just take me. It's okay, Lord. Uh, Whatever. Whenever we become fatigued, we become fearful, filled with fear and filled with doubt. What's in our heart? God, where are you? Where are you, God? I thought you said you would always be with me. You would never leave me. You would never forsake me. But here's what I want you to know. God is on the way. You hear me? God is on, where, God, where are you in the midst of this? I, I don't know my job and my, my, my finances and, and man, here we are and we got to do this and we can't and we're doing this and, and man, we're just rolling against the tide. We're just continuing. It's like we, we're, we're not winning. What's going on? Where are you, God? God is on the way. Jesus is on the way, church. He's on the way to your spot. But here's the thing. You're not. We're not where we are by accident. We're not where we are because, oh, we just made a wrong turn at Albuquerque. We're not at the wrong place because we just made some wrong choices. We are where we are by design in this country, in this time of our, of, of our nation, of our lives. We are here, and God knows we're here. He's allowed us to be here, and he's on his way. He's on his way. Jesus shows up in the middle of the storm. You know, they're rowing, they're rowing, they're rowing. And Jesus shows up out there, and they're so fearful, they're even afraid of him. <laughs> it's a ghost. <laughs> when God speaks, it's like, God, oh, that could be God. Well, what do you want him to do? What do we want him to do? I just want him to come and to show up. There's three, four things, and we'll, we'll hit this quickly this morning. Uh, four keys to navigating through storms. Number one, remind yourself that Jesus is praying for you. He went up on the mountain. He says, I insist you boys get in the boat. get in the boat boys come on boys come on get in the boat you guys go on I'm going to send these people home just get in the boat just get going he insisted after he got him in the boat and they got going he went and told the people you guys go on home he went up on the mountain for what? to pray what was he praying for? Lord, I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring, but I just hope you just help me to ministry, minister powerfully, Lord. No, you know what he was doing? I believe he was praying for those guys in the boat. And I'll tell you why. Because back in chapter 8 of, of Matthew, they had been in the storm before. Remember? They were in the storm before. And, and basically, Jesus was in the boat with them. And they didn't go, hey, Jesus is in the boat with us. We're cool. The waves are coming. No, what, what did they do? They woke him up. Lord, don't you care? We're going to die. We're going to die. And Jesus wakes up and he calms. That was in chapter 8. But now we're, whatever. I mean, I know he didn't live his life in chapters, but this was later on, I'm assuming, this was after the fact. Jesus knew that they had taken this test before. But they were taking it again. I insist you get into the boat. And it wasn't, I guess it was an open book test to a certain degree because they can look back and see what they knew, what happened. How did Jesus do it? Jesus shows up. He walks on the water. Jesus is praying for you. You can remind yourself of that. Luke chapter 22, verse uh, 31 and 32 says this. It says, uh, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each one of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. It's about our faith. It's about our faith. It's not if we're going to go through storms. We will go through storms. But are we going to go through it with faith in our hearts, knowing that, hey, you know, uh, I'm going to do what God told me to do. I know I'm where God's told me to be. I'm going to continue moving forward. Well, how, how are you going to do that? Because I know that Jesus is praying for me. That's what the Bible says. He sets at the right hand of God. Romans 8.34. It says, who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life. And he is sitting in the place of honor at the right hand of God, pleading for you and me, pleading for us. Why? Because because that's what He does. He intercedes, He prays for us to not forget what He has said, to not lose heart. To not lose heart. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 2 says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. We serve God. We serve a God who promises to lead us, to guide us, and to get us through the storm. That's the God that we serve. We don't serve a God that goes, good luck, boys. Hope to see you on the other side. That's not the God we serve. God, He prays for us. He has sent us. He's instructing us. The second thing is, is you need to remind yourself that He brought you here. You're not here by accident. I don't care what anybody has told you. You're not living at this time. You're not living in the midst of this country, in the midst of this situation by accident. God, put you and I here right where we are. He put us here. We're not here because of bad decisions that we have made. I'm talking about in this in this pandemic in 2020 where we are. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says, "I am certain that God who began a good work within you will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns." God is faithful to finish the work that he began. He began a work and he's going to finish it. It's not going you're not going to end at the bottom. Of, uh, of of the of the sea or the bottom of the river, or the bottom of the lake. God will help us. But we have to know that he's praying for us. Remind yourself. And you know, you ever had that thought, Jesus is praying. It's like, really? I, I never had that thought. Jesus is praying for me. That's what he says. He says at the right hand of God, pleading for us, praying for us. Man, if Jesus is praying for us, man, what kind of prayers does he pray? Powerful prayers. Powerful prayers, and he brought you here. He brought me to this place. First Timothy says, uh, one verse 18, it says, "This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by then, by them I mean, by those prophecies, you wage a good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected concerning faith and have suffered shipwreck. How do we fight a good fight? We remember what God has said. We do battle by saying, God sent me. Hey, Peter? Yeah. Remember, Jesus insisted that we get in this boat. What was he thinking? Well, he was probably thinking that we're going to make it across. That it's a test. And I, I don't know if that was a conversation. But I can guarantee you, they. you know what happens when you get into a situation that's kind of like deja vu? You know what you remember? You remember how you acted last time. Hopefully we do anyway. We remember... And so I think maybe that's the reason why they didn't give up. They kept fighting against the storm. They kept working. They kept moving forward. They persisted. They didn't give up and cry and, you know. Ooh. They continued. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to continue. And so remember that God has brought you here. This is not an accident. And maybe this is a, maybe, maybe the physical storm that that these guys are, in. maybe this is not necessarily a physical storm, but it's definitely a storm that we are in in this country. And the Lord sent us into the middle of this and he would not leave us or forsake us. The third thing is you need to remind yourself that he's with me. He's with me. Right here with me. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. Psalm 23 verse four says, even though I walk, through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come from me. That rod and the staff, you know, so here he is. He's with us. And he's got this rod, this staff with him. And what is that to do? That's to beat the wolves back, it's to knock the enemy away, it's to take and to hook us and pull us close if he has to. Whatever it takes, he's with us. And he's going to guard us and protect us, he's not going to leave us. He's not going to walk away. He's not going to say, well, I sent you. You guys are on your own now. He is with us. Remind yourself of those things. He's with us. He's praying for us. He sent me here and he's with me. He's absolutely with me. Everything around us changes. Everything. Everything changes. Presidents change. And probably some of them even change while they're in office. But presidents change and politicians change and governors and mayors, styles change, businesses change, schools change, teachers change, churches change, people change. Everything around us changes, but God does not. God does not change. And he has promised that I will be with you. I will not forsake you. I will go where where you go where I tell you to go and I will be with you. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 26, this is the the, the passion translation. I like this translation. He says, the earth was rocked at the sound of his voice from the mountain, but now he has promised once and for all, I will not only shake the systems of the world, but, but also the unseen powers of the heavenly realm. Now this phrase, once and for all, clearly indicates the final removal of all things that are shaking. That is the old order. So only that which is shakable will remain. I want you to know that God's not only shaking the world systems, He's shaking the heavenlies too. He's shaking everything that can be shaken is being shaken. You know what? what if we do it right, if we build our lives right, if we, if we focus on what is right, we won't be shaken. What do we focus on? What God says. This is what God says. Go to the other side. This is what God says. I will be with you. I will never leave you. And I will never forsake you. The, the fourth and the last one today is you need to remind yourself that, he, that he'll be with us. I think these four things today have helped me just looking at them this week. Thinking through them. Uh, focusing on them. God's with me. He's, he's praying for me. Doesn't it help you when, when people say, uh, I'm praying for you. I like that. I want you to know today, Jesus is praying for you. Go back to the first thing we talked about. We looked at Jesus is praying for you today. Let's pray.